Two services on Sunday morning, as you know, and first service is always devoted to the weekly Bible prophecy update. And then second service, for those of you who would wish to stay, you're certainly more than welcome to do that, especially now that you have a parking spot. You might want to keep that. So 11.15 a.m. for those of you online Hawaii time, you can join with us as well. We're going through the book of James, verse by verse. And today we're going to look at that well-known idiom of easier said than done. But we're going to do so as it relates to why it's so much easier to be merely a hearer of God's Word and not a doer of God's Word. We're going to look into that and we're going to find the reasons for that. Also, those of you that are online watching by way of YouTube or Facebook, we would encourage you to go directly to the website, jdfarag.org. There you will find the uncensored and uninterrupted entirety of today's update. And so with that, let's get right to it. I want to talk with you today about the prophetic significance of yet another saying. This one is, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Now, some of you doubtless have heard the response to this. Yeah, there's light at the end of the tunnel, but it turns out it's a freight train. <laughs> oh, well, actually, depending <laughs> on where you're at, it's even worse than that, infinitely worse than that, because the light at the end of the tunnel of this life is Jesus. Now for Christians, that's exciting. But for others, it's terrifying. I'll take it further and say that not only is Jesus the light of the world at the end of this tunnel, <laughs> so too is this world as we know it at the end of the tunnel. It's not so much a question of whether or not it's the end. It's really a question of whether or not one is on the right end of the end. Now you'll forgive me if that sounds like a play on words, it's not my intention. The reason I say that that way is because the truth of the matter is we're either on the end of salvation or on the end of damnation. And that's just the fact of the matter. And it's for this reason that what follows will have the effect of either being a great encouragement to you, which I hope it is, or rightfully so, a final warning for you. I'll proceed with the presupposition that you're in agreement with me when I say this. The judgment of God is coming upon this evil Christ-rejecting world judgment is coming. In fact, we 
just on Thursday started in the book of Jeremiah. I mean, wow, just wow. That's all I can say. Here's a prophet affectionately referred to as the weeping prophet who was called by God. We're told in chapter 1 that God put His words on Jeremiah's mouth to speak. What was the words that he would speak? Words of coming judgment. And here's the thing, Jeremiah, you're going to speak the words that I put on your mouth to speak, and they're going to hate you and try to kill you because they don't want to hear that message. Doom and gloom, fire and brimstone. Well, that kind of sounded good. I felt good too. Fire and brimstone. But it's the truth. The judgment of God is coming. I want to proceed with another presupposition that I also hope you are in agreement with when I say it, and it's that the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ can happen at any time. It's imminent. And here's the thing. When we go up, sudden destruction will come down. And we're going to look at prophecies, specific prophecies in the Bible here in a moment, that speak to this destruction that's coming down. It's coming down on those interesting destroying of the earth, those on the earth, and get this, even those hiding in the earth. Let's start with the destruction of the earth. Revelation chapter 11, beginning in verse 16. John, by the Holy Spirit, is writing that which the Lord tells him to write and record. And he says, verse 16, and the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, we give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations, verse 18, were angry, and your wrath has come. And the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name. Did you catch that? The judgment of God is coming. The wrath of God is coming, and predicated upon what every single one of us has done with the person of Jesus Christ will determine whether it's a reward that we're on the receiving end of, or it's God's judgment and wrath that we're on the receiving end of. So 
the reward your servants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, small and great. And, and I want you to listen very carefully and hang on to this, because we're going to come back to this. That you should destroy those who destroy the earth. What? Wait, so that means that there's a prophecy here about how there are going to be those who are going to destroy the earth. Yes. And when God comes in judgment, He's going to destroy those who destroy the earth. Yes, that's what we just read. So again, hang on to that. We'll come back to that. Let's talk about the destruction of those hiding in the earth. This is Revelation chapter 6, beginning in verse 12. Again, John by the Spirit writes, I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it's rolled up, and every mountain and island, even Oahu, <laughs> sorry, that's not in the original, was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. Stop right there. I've wondered for a very long time, and especially more recently, as of late, if this is not a reference to those underground bunkers. Oh, have you heard about them? Have you seen these things? Oh my goodness. They're so elaborate. They're, they're so expensive too. But I mean, they go down into the earth to hide from that which they apparently believe is coming upon the earth. And to that I say, no need, because we're not going down, we're going up. Just saying. But see, they hunker down and go down and hide themselves in these elaborate bunkers. <laughs> And when the Lord comes, we're told, verse 16, they said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of His wrath has come. And who is able to stand? Well, this brings us to the third one, which is the destruction of those on the earth. So you have the prophecy concerning the destruction of the earth. 
You have the prophecy concerning the destruction of those hiding in the earth. And now we have a prophecy from the Savior Himself concerning the destruction of those on the earth. And it's in Matthew 24, beginning in verse 21. Jesus is speaking. And He says, For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. No flesh would survive. But for the elect's sake, in this context, speaking of the nation of Israel during the tribulation, but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Were they not shortened, no flesh, no human would be able to survive that which is coming upon the earth, the likes of which has never been seen before, nor will ever see again, be seen again. The common denominator with all three of these prophecies is that they are all in play today, and as such serve as yet more signs of just how close we are to the end of the tunnel of this world. Now, before we turn a corner, I, I actually, because of what I'm going to share with you today, I would like to take a moment and pray. Because I, I am keenly aware that what God has put on my heart to share is, <laughs> it's hard, and it's intense, and it's, it's very real, it's very difficult. And I just want to pray that the Holy Spirit, as only He can, would just speak in that still small voice into our lives. So would you join me? And let's pray. Father in heaven, I, this is weighty, this is heavy, this is truth. And Lord, we desperately need for You at this time to get our attention and to keep our attention so that our minds don't wander as they're so often prone to or be distracted in any way which the enemy would love nothing more than to do so that we miss what it is that You desire to show us and speak to us in the remainder of our time together today. Lord, I pray for anyone that might be here today or watching online, that You would just steady and ready everyone's hearts to receive this truth, the reality of these prophecies in play that we just read, 
Lord, that it would have the much needed effect of bringing people to you, Jesus, because you're our only hope. You're our only way out of this. And Lord, for those of you, and I mean, those of us who know you, Lord, thank you that we know you. Thank you that you know us. Thank you that you're coming for us to take us out of this world soon and very soon. Lord, come quickly, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead at this time and end the live stream on YouTube and Facebook and direct you to jdfarag.org. I know I paint the prophetic canvas with a broad brush when I say this, but the climate change agenda is actually destroying the earth. Here's the truth. They are poisoning the skies to eliminate and limit not only mankind, but the food and water source of mankind. And if this weren't bad enough, the current man-made crisis of a food supply shortage will give way to a new controlled, genetically modified food source. I know that's kind of a lot. And if that's like drinking, as someone told me, listening to you is like drinking water out of a fire hose. <laughs> Maybe just take the time in your own time and do your own research concerning this. Well, in the interest of time, I want to share with you a couple of links in this regard. The first of which is from Dane Wigington at geoengineeringwatch.org. Here's a quote. Geoengineering is the artificial modification of Earth's climate systems through two primary ideologies, solar radiation management, SRM, and carbon dioxide removal, CDR. In a post back in 2014 titled, Climate Engineering, Weather Warfare, and the Collapse of Civilization. By the way, we've included these links, and I would really encourage you to go to the website, because on there you will find a documentary that is a must-see, titled The Dimming. The Dimming. Very important. Well, in this post, which we've also included the link to, Dane explains, the very essentials needed to sustain life on earth are being recklessly destroyed by these programs. 
the debate over whether geoengineering programs are going on is now a moot point. We have more than enough data to confirm it. We have actual footage showing tankers spraying. The materials showing up on the ground are exactly the same materials mentioned in the numerous geoengineering patents and documents. And by the way, these patents and documents are there on the website. You can read them for yourself. Our skies today are simply not normal. Upon examination, this cannot be denied. They are filled with, get this, nanoparticulates. Does that sound familiar? Nanoparticulates of heavy metals, graphene oxide. But the skies have been filled with grid patterns for so long now that we're used to them and do not see them anymore. Sadly, the fact is that people do not look up. The experiments are literally tearing the planet apart and destroying life on earth. In this particular video, Dane reports on, among other things, the sterilization of soils, making it impossible for plants to grow without Monsanto's aluminum resistant seeds. By the way, this is why it is that one Bill Gates is buying up all of the farmland. Did you know that? Don't take my word for anything. You be a Berean yourself. You search the Scriptures. You go back into Revelation and reread these prophecies that we just read, chapter 11, chapter 6, actually all of the prophecies from chapters 6 through 19. Go back into Matthew 24 and listen to the heart of the Savior talking about how, how the world is going to be at the time of the end. It's going to be so bad that God just has to say, that's enough. That's it. And He has to put an end to it for the sake of the elect. Because were He not to do that, <laughs> the earth, you know, last week, I, bear with me, I'm sorry, I'm kind of uh, all over the place. <laughs> that never happens. But anyway, last week I, I uh, posed a question, and I just appealed to our God-given intellect and, and reason and ability to kind of think things through. That's a, that's a God-given intellect. I think of the prophet Isaiah, who pleads <laughs> as he prophesies to the people, come, God through the prophet Isaiah says, let us reason together. Let's just be reasonable. Let's reason through this concerning man's sin. Well, let's reason through this. I appeal to that reason, that God 
given intellect and posed this question. Do you really believe that everyone and everything that is in place now will still be in place even 10 years from now? And by the way, that's kind of being conservative. I could, in all fairness, say five years from now, as fast as everything is happening. Do you think that it has that long of a shelf life? You know, Bible prophecy, and I always have to kind of clarify and explain this when I say this, but it really does have an expiration date. There are certain things that are time-driven, time-sensitive, and they don't have a very long shelf life. It's that proverbial strike while the iron's hot. The iron's very hot. <laughs> and it will strike. And I cannot imagine a scenario where everything that we're seeing take place today will still be in place five years, let's call it 10 years from today. So why do I bring that up? Because, think this through with me, do you think the earth has that long of a shelf life? Do you think we have, okay, let's just stick with 10 years. Are we okay with that? What are you going to say? No. <laughs> Let's just use 10 years for purpose of discussion. Do you really think that with the way things are going under the banner of climate change, do you really think that we have 10 years? Do you think the earth has that long of a shelf life? We just read these prophecies in Revelation concerning the destruction of the earth, and it's coming to pass in real time, at breakneck speed, even as we speak. Well, here's the second link that I want to refer to you. We also have a link to this on the website. It's a 137-page downloadable PDF file brought to you by none other than the United Nations Development Group titled mainstreaming the 2030 agenda for sustainable development. Now, doubtless you've heard sustainable development. Ah, oh, sounds so nice. I mean, both of those words by themselves are good, right? No. Do you know what sustainable means? The current population of the earth, using up what's left of the resources on the earth, is unsustainable. You're the problem. You're using up too much stuff. And we want to control that stuff. So if we continue going the way we are, it is not sustainable. So we need to come up with something that is sustainable by 2030. Oh, development, 
What does that mean? Well, <laughs> as you may or may not know, Agenda 21 from back in 1992 became what we know today as Agenda 2030. And here's what you need to know about this agenda as it relates to the seven-year tribulation. The sole goal, listen very carefully, is to control the entire earth and be served by 500 million people that are left alive in harmony perpetually with nature, subsequent to the elimination of the earth's population. There are what they refer to as 17 sustainable development goals that are pictured here on the screen. The guys might want to put it back up. It's on page 19. And if you look at all of them, they all are about the total transformation slash reset of the entire world. And this explains why the focus is on climate change. This is a created crisis. They created this climate change. It used to be called global warming, and then it started cooling, so they had to change the name to, you know, protect the guilty, I guess. So they called it climate change, climate change. The environment, environmentalism. But this is a total transformation and reset. Klaus Schwab, World Economic Forum, of the world's economics, agriculture, education, health care, health care, gender equality, elimination of poverty. How are you going to do that? Oh, well, you'll own nothing and be happy. Well, that's because they're going to control everything and you're going to own nothing. And here's the thing, if and when anyone is found to be in defiance and not in compliance, ooh, they will be on the receiving end of financial penalties, government taxes, property seizures, physical restrictions, and even, wait for it, <laughs> climate lockdowns. What? Oh. On February 2nd of this year, The Hill published a chilling op-ed piece titled, Coming Soon, Climate Lockdowns. Here's some of what the writer had to say, quoting, the past two years have been a checklist for the worst impulses of government and public sentiment. 
COVID allowed for supposedly temporary measures to morph into two years of emergency restrictions. But what if COVID was only the opening act and another proclaimed crisis is the main event? Fear over climate change could lead to long-term soft lockdowns. Really? In November 2020, the Red Cross proclaimed that climate change is a bigger threat than COVID and should be confronted with the same urgency. Bill Gates recently demanded dramatic measures to prevent climate change, claiming it will be worse than the pandemic. Ah, you understand that he's uh, oh, not again. Ah, how do I say it? Uh, by, by the way, that's, well, okay. Okay, let me, let me try this. Thank you so much. You have treasures in heaven for being so gracious and patient with me. Um, you know, so all of a sudden now we're, I, I walked in, I, I was, you know, at first it was like, I don't have to wear a mask. I mean, isn't it something that the last state in the United States of America to lift indoor mask restrictions is Hawaii? I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> so now the, the question is, why now? Oh, right on time. That's why now. Have you noticed? that all of a sudden now they're talking about variants again. And even one Anthony Fauci is back on TV saying more severe restrictions are coming. Well, wait a minute. So what is this, the calm before the storm, as they say? Perhaps. But I think it's even more sinister and insidious than that. See, now they want us, in fact, I was, I forget where I was, because again, I don't get out much. I go from home to church and then back home and then to church. If I need something from the store, I send my wife. <laughs> but I just literally don't get out much. But I happen to be out and about. I'm driving in the car and I'm going, where did all these people come from? Oh, I know. Everybody's back out now. And they want everybody to be back out now, because they want everybody driving their cars and paying seven, eight, nine, ten dollars per gallon for gas. Perfect timing. They want everybody going to the store. That's fine. Don't wear the mask. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go to the store. Have you seen the prices? That's if you can even find it. I was tempted. I didn't do it because 
I'm already depressed, but <laughs> I wanted to take a picture of the shouts. They're bare. I mean, they're literally bare. I'm looking at this thing. I'm going, Lord, you're coming because <laughs> this is Revelation 6, hyperinflation, where it takes the entirety of a day's wages just to buy the ingredients to make a loaf of bread. That's called hyperinflation. It's all planned because they're going to, this is a, and we've talked about this. I'm sorry I'm yelling and spitting, but this is a controlled demolition of the global economy so that they can usher in under the banner of this great reset, economic reset, because after all, you never want to let a good crisis go to waste. You know this uh, build back better? Hmm. I think it's more like build back Babel. Did you get that? I hope so, because I'm not going to keep going on that. So all of a sudden now it's like, hey, let's go ahead and get them back out there, and everything is going perfectly according to plan, because now when they're out there, we can then introduce the next phase, as Bill and Melinda Gates start smirking and smiling. Remember that video? And so we got them. We got them right where we want them. I saw a report, didn't have time to really vet it, but some to the effect of the U.S. now having to dip into our oil reserves to the tune of something like one million barrels a day. That's when you start asking questions like, well, how many barrels do we have? Because <laughs> one million a day, it doesn't sound like that's going to last very long. That's all choreographed. All the steps are choreographed. Everything is orchestrated. This is going exactly according to the plan. I spent some time in Psalm 2 this last week. I would encourage you to do the same, because it really settles you and just gives you that much needed perspective. It basically goes like this. Rhetorically, the question is asked, why do the nations conspire together and plot their evil plots? <laughs> Effects at it. <laughs> Emphasis mine. The Lord looks at it, and here's His response. <laughs> he laughs. Psalm 2, you look it up, that's your homework, you're going to be tested on it next week. He laughs at them. Here they're conspiring, their evil plans. <laughs> and God's in heaven going, wow, <laughs> that's good. I wonder how, what God's laugh sounds like. We'll, we'll find out soon enough, but I wonder what kind of laugh, you know, because there's different kind of laughs, right? There's the courtesy laugh. <laughs> 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 and 
There's the machine gun laugh. <laughs> anyway, I digress. I, I like to laugh. That's why I am a connoisseur of different kinds of laughter. But I, I would suggest that the laugh that God laughs in this context is just, I mean, it is hysterical, laughable. And then His wrath comes. In other words, you can plan all you want, you can plot all the evil you want, you can do whatever you want, which you are doing. <laughs> but know this, God has the final word. God has the final, and will have the final word, after He's done laughing <laughs> at what you're conspiring. But you know, they, they want to replace food with this genetically modified stuff. Think about just those two words, genetically modified, modified genetics. Well, let me continue, still quoting. During the early days of the pandemic, millions of Americans worked from home. This could become the permanent norm if special carbon taxes are put in place. Such taxes could be imposed on companies, limiting driving or air miles, and extend to individual employees. Drive to work in a car, you get hit with the tax. Children could be impacted by climate lockdowns too. Schools, especially those heavily influenced by teachers' unions could impose permanent online-only days. And before you think this is too far-fetched, quote, Delhi, India is already using a version of this concept to crack down on smog pollution. As each negative weather event, which they create, geoengineered, is blamed on climate change, government will increasingly use its restrictive tools. Anyone against such measures could be labeled a, quote, climate denier. No! Yes, you're one of those climate denier who stands against progress, or simply a domestic terrorist. I think I already am classified as that, but whatever. Defectors, quoting, likely won't have much choice anyhow. Facial recognition and plate reading software coupled with impressive, the impressive scope of drones could lead to severe enforcement. Don't like the restrictions on your gas guzzler? The government could easily track its location and send automatic tickets. 
or worse. You know, they already do that, by the way. Reminds me of a true story. I want to go ahead and share it, because we need the levity and the laughter. True story. Guy runs a red light. The camera takes a picture of him running the red light, reads the license plate on it, sends him in the mail a ticket with the fine. So the guy gets it, and he takes a picture of the money <laughs> for the amount of the fine, and sends him back a picture of the money for the fine for the picture they sent him running the red light. Well, it's not long before he receives another piece of mail from them. This time it's a picture, but not of a fine, it's a picture of handcuffs. So he, he went ahead and paid it. Anyway, uh, true story, happened in California. I, I am uncomfortable, as I'm sure you are as well, with these words, quote, or worse. What is or worse? Oh, hmm. You know, we talked about the social credit score, where you go in to buy something, and unless you're in full compliance and you've not been penalized, you will not be able to buy or sell based on that score. And that score is going to be predicated upon your compliance with said restrictions, lockdowns. Well, suffice it to say, the current injections, which we've been talking about in depth in recent updates, it's all part of this evil plot. So much so that one need only connect the proverbial dots to see that the climate denier and the anti-vaxxer are synonymous. It's all part of this global genocide, it's classification, dehumanization, categorization. There were 10 of them. We covered that in a prior update. At best, said climate denier and anti-vaxxer will be limited, and at worst, eliminated. And their plan is to do so by the year 2030. I hope you understand that my shelf life explanation and comparison and illustration is not arbitrary. This is right out of their playbook. They want this done by 2030. And they're on track to do it, by the way. And if that's the case, then I mean, I don't care how you're looking at me right now, because there's a, for those of you that were with us on Thursday night, God tells Jeremiah, do not be afraid of their faces, 
You know what he means by that? <laughs> In other words, the message that I'm going to give you to proclaim the judgment that you're going to prophesy, they are going to contort their faces in response to you. Don't be upset when they get up in the middle of your message and walk out. <laughs> see, this is something only a pastor can appreciate, because I see your faces. Don't look at the person sitting next to you. I see your faces. I see your body language. And what God was telling Jeremiah, I think, is the clarion call for what God is telling us now. Give no regard for how people respond. This is the truth. This is the message. It is judgment. God's judgment is coming. It's already here in some regards. And you have to speak the truth, because it's the truth that will set you free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I suppose it should come as no surprise that Jesus would say, unless those days were shortened, no flesh would survive. Thankfully, as the light of the world and the Savior of the world, that aforementioned light at the end of the tunnel is very good news. However, if you've never believed in Jesus as your Savior, the light at the end of the tunnel is for you instead very bad news. If that's you, I would implore you to take heed and believe in Jesus. When I say this, it's not hyperbole. Literally, there's no other way out of this. There's no other way out of this. Our only hope is Jesus when He takes us out of this world. And He will. In the rapture of the church prior to the seven-year tribulation, which is for the nation of Israel and their salvation. That's the purpose of the tribulation, for the salvation of the Jewish nation. It's the 70th week of Daniel. The church is out of here. You know, maybe I need to just comment before we bring it in for a close. I know the, pre the sound doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture is not a matter of salvation. I get that. Those who don't believe in the pre-tribulation rapture are going to be raptured prior to the pre to the seven-year tribulation, whether they like it or not. <laughs> I don't know. I just, that didn't come out as good as I had hoped. I think you get the point though, right? But if there was ever a time <laughs> to be settled in the sound doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture, that time is now. 
I say this as lovingly and as humbly and as honestly as I possibly can, and I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. I actually feel sorry for people who are not settled concerning the pre-tribulation rapture. I, I can't even imagine. I can't, no wonder, no wonder they're preparing no wonder that if they have the money, they're buying these underground bunkers. I mean, you don't need to. I, don't you think, I know this is kind of a, uh, perhaps an oversimplification, but don't you think that if that were the case, there would be more devoted in the pages of Holy Writ to, you better prepare. You better, you know, get ready and store up and hunker down. And, but there's none of that. In fact, it's the opposite of that. It's not hunker down, it's look up. Look up. The Apostle Paul to the Thessalonians, chapter 4, in his first epistle. Dead in Christ are going to rise first. We who are alive and remain will be caught up, rapturous, harpazo in the Greek. And he says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Amen. Well, how, how, how can I stand before you, as is my privilege to every week, and encourage you by saying to you, man, you better, you better hunker down. <laughs> wow, thanks a lot. That's really encouraging. Sure hope you're prepping. Oh, I'm prepping, all right. I'm a prepping to get out of here. Okay, I feel better now. So, <laughs> uh, okay, one last thing on this. Okay, is that all right? Again, what are you going to say? No, <laughs> I'm sorry. You're so gracious to me. Just uh, please hear my heart. You know, I, I uh, it's become a badge of honor, but the amount of attack on any who would dare teach the sound doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture is getting infinitely worse, seemingly with each passing day. And here's the thing, that in and of itself is very telling, if you really think about it. And all I can say to those who, I mean, they devote, and you know who you are if you're watching, because I know some of you are. <laughs> those of you who devote your ministries and, and make videos and of me talking about this. I just want to encourage you, you're going to get raptured anyway. So and if it were up to me, I, I would not take you. I would leave you behind. <laughs> but anyway, I getting in the flesh a little bit now, so I better stop. But you are, you're gutting out the gospel, because the rapture is part of the gospel. When Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, he said the first time he writes about the gospel, the gospel is that Jesus Christ came, that He was crucified, He was buried, and He rose again on the third day, and He's coming back to rapture His church away one day. That's the gospel. 
So you want to gut out the gospel? I don't, I don't want to be anywhere. Again, I'm going to get into the flesh. I'll, I'll stop. Don't do that. Don't do that. No, this is the good news. If you're born again of the Spirit of God, you're not going to be here. And why would you want to be here? Anyway, I, I could go on and on. You know I could. I won't. But this is why we do these updates. This is the purpose of these updates. Jesus is coming sooner than any of us could possibly imagine. He's going to come in the rapture for His bride as a thief in the night. And today is the day of salvation. And it's the gospel of salvation found in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's so childlike simple. Jesus said that in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must become like a child. It's so childlike, not childish. It's just simple. ABC simple. It's actually just B simple. The A is for admit or acknowledge that you've sinned. Because unless and until you do, why would you be interested in a Savior if you don't acknowledge that you're a sinner? Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. And Romans 3.23 explains why. It's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were all born sinners, which is why we must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. Romans 6.23. What I really like about this verse is that it packages the bad news first with the good news. What's the bad news? Well, the bad news is that the wages of sin is death. It's the death penalty. We all carry in our sin all a death sentence because of sin. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Gift? Gift. What do you do with a gift? Not re-gift. I'm not talking about that. You receive it. It's a gift. Who paid for it? Jesus paid for it in full. And it cost Him everything, even His life. He purchased us with His shed blood in our stead. And we are not our own, but we are purchased with the price. And He paid the price, and He offers this gift that He paid for to us, and it's the gift of eternal life, just to receive and believe. <laughs> That's the B. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, the most well-known verse in all of the Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe would not perish in hell for all eternity, but have everlasting life in heaven with Him. Believe. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Pretty simple. 
Here's the C, and this is what comes from the B. It's this expression of calling upon the name of the Lord, confessing with your mouth, as Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And here's why. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And Romans 10, 13, lastly, seals the deal. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, I was just thinking about this. Just indulge me. We're almost done. You know how we talk about, well, I gave my life to Christ. Oh, praise the Lord. All of heaven's rejoicing when one sinner repents, right? But that's not really the, the, the thing. I gave my life to Christ. You know what the thing is, is that He accepted it. No, no. I think about this. You know, when I, some, I don't know how many years ago now, I called upon the name of the Lord, something like 40 years ago. I called upon the, I was only five. I called upon the name of the Lord. And I could just imagine the angels in heaven going, don't take that one. This is not a good deal. I, just, I would not accept this one. No, all. I was an all. I was an all. And so are you, an all. All means all who call. Can I share with you a but God testimony lastly? This one comes from Hendrik Pretorius, who writes, Hi, Pastor J.D. and crew. My wife and I live in New Zealand. We always enjoy seeing God's Word play out in real time and have taken great encouragement from it. <laughs> Good. New Zealand started implementing the no jab, no job mandates from the start of late last year. I myself have refused to take the mRNA vaccines, was granted extension to be vaccinated, and had to agree to take the Novavax vaccine by the 31st of March, or be dismissed. And that would have meant losing the house, our transportation, and pretty much everything else, and all that with a baby due in June. Today, the 23rd of March, a couple weeks ago, I drove to the vaccination clinic to receive the first dose of Novavax. I parked my car five minutes away from the clinic. Before I got out of my car, I prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, I'm here now. I do not want to take this vaccine. If it is your will that I do not take it, then please let something happen between this point where I am now and the clinic itself. And so I got out of my car and started walking towards the clinic. With only 10 minutes to spare before I was due to be injected, I sat on a bench right in front of the place, and lo and behold, a good friend of mine texted me and asked if I had heard that the government had just dropped most mandates, vaccine pass, and QR scan in requirements. And he added, do not take the jab, mate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it gets better. Yeah. So talk about an answer to prayer, right? 
I immediately pushed out my appointment and asked my employer if their policy will change accordingly. I am yet to hear back from them, but I praise the Lord nonetheless for the good news and the reprieve that I have been given. This is one of those times where a direct answer to prayer has never been clearer. God is so good. Yes. Capono, come on up. Why don't you go ahead and stand up. I, <laughs> God, you're so good. See, Capono knows. I love that song. Anything you want up to half of my kingdom. It's not much, but it's yours. <laughs> God, you are so good. God, you are so good. You're too good. You're too good, Lord. You're only good. Lord, thank you. How can we thank you enough <laughs> for the simplicity of the gospel? The good news that for those of us who know you, this is as bad as it gets. And we have the rapture to look forward to as our not just blessed hope, only hope. But Lord, we are keenly aware that there are those who don't have that hope because they don't know you. And were you to come, they would be left behind. And Lord, please, it's a, it's a plea, it's a cry of our hearts for any who does not know you. Lord, I pray that today will be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray that as we just read these prophecies and talked about their fulfillment as they begin to come to pass, Lord, again, I pray that it will have the much needed effect of, and Lord, it's the fear of the Lord. <laughs> it's the beginning of wisdom. Lord, I pray for a holy fear, holy fear of that which is to come upon this world, and that that would drive people to you. Because again, Jesus, you're our only way out of this. And so, Lord, with that, we pray and say, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. We stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the our strength. We bow down and worship Him now. How great, how awesome is He. Together we sing. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled his glory. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. Together we sing. And everyone sing. 
God Almighty, amen. God bless you folks.